my skeleton crew, and welcome back to another Leo Legacy Commentary. Today we're headed back to 1940 to watch the third Walt Disney animated feature, Fantasia, released November 13th, 1940, to be precise. What a elegant opening, don't you think? I think so. Directed by Samuel Armstrong, James Alger, Bill Roberts, Paul Satterfield, (laughs) Ben Sharpstein, David DeHand, Hamilton Luske, Jim Handley, Ford, Bebe, T. He. T period he. I mean, come on. T he. <laughs> that might be the the greatest name ever. T he. Norman Ferguson and Wilfred Jackson. Of course, produced by Walt Disney and Ben Sharpstein. This is the first time, uh, at least in animated feature as far as animated features go it's the first time we've seen the uh live action animation hybrid a crossover if you will actually you know what I, I prefer the word hybrid I like that better cellos did you see how giant those were were those cellos or were those upright basses what's the difference between a cello and an upright bass I wonder I'm sure it's a simple answer, but I'm not that musically inclined. Okay, shh, shh. The composer's here. Wait, the composer? How do you do? Conductor, that's what I meant. Uh, my name is Deems Taylor. Hey. And it's my very pleasant duty to welcome you here. On oh, thank you. On Walt Disney, Leopold Stokowski. Uh, Stokowski? And, and musicians whose combined talents went into the creation of this new form of entertainment, yeah. Fantasia. Wow. What you're going to see mm-hmm. are the designs and pictures and stories that music inspired in the minds and imaginations of a group of artists. Love it. In other words, these are not going to be the interpretations of trained musicians, which I no. think is all of the good. Now, there are three kinds of music on this Fantasia program. Okay. First is the kind that tells a definite story. Mm-hmm. Then there's the kind that, while it has no specific plot, does paint a series of more or less definite pictures. Awesome. And there's a third kind, music that exists simply for its own sake. Love now, the it. number that opens our Fantasia program, the Toccata and Fugue, is Toccata. this third kind. What oh, we're we starting with the third kind. Music. Okay. The title has no meaning beyond a description of the form of the music. Hmm. What you will see on the screen is a picture of the various abstract images that okay. pass through your mind. Oh. You sat in a concert hall listening to this music. I like that. At first, you're more or less conscious of the orchestra. Yes. So our picture opens with a series of impressions of the conductor and the players. Okay. Then the music begins to suggest other things to your imagination. They might be, oh, just masses of color. Uh Uh-huh. Or they may be cloud forms, or great landscapes, or vague shadows, or geometrical objects Hmm. floating in space. I mean, this is quite ingenious. So now we present... 
The Takata and Fugue in D Takata. Johann Sebastian Bach. Johann Sebastian. Interpreted in pictures by Walt Disney and his associates, and in music by the Philadelphia Orchestra and its conductor, Leopold Stokowski. And now here is our... Is that animated? No, that's not animated. Is it animated? No, I don't think it is. This Fantasia, I feel like, is actually a very underrated, brilliant undertaking. Wow. Ba -ba -ba -ba. I know this one. Ba -ba. For whatever reason, this music's making me think of like old horror movies like Frankenstein. Do -do -do. Especially that one. Deep. Very low resonance. Very sithy. Look at the red. The red hue around our conductor. Darth Bach. <laughs> that made me that made me chuckle. Darth Bach. So we're starting with the third style of music. The music for music's sake. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, just, it just exists. Because it has to. So this is more shadow play. Because this is not, I don't believe this is animated. Ba -ba -ba -bum. No, this can't be animated. Look at that. Far too defined. Now we're now we're stepping into the no no still just the shadow play, which again I'm probably gonna say this quite a bit throughout this commentary. The, to to combined combine combine combined combine combine animation with music orchestra orchestral music I mean the brilliance I, I truly truly believe is under understated especially for its time 1940 animation was still a, a fairly young art form And to combine, to combine the live action with the animation is just... I mean, it really truly is astounding. And this was the third animated feature, which I personally kind of found surprising. I definitely felt like Fantasia came later on in the Walt Disney animated feature catalog. It's right up there at the beginning. Snow White, Pinocchio, boom, Fantasia. And truthfully, the un the undertaking of combining... I keep saying that word wrong, I'm sure. Combining animation with live action to classical works, classical musical works, is just next level, truly next level. 
And here we are stepping into the animation. Now, I'm wondering how many times the animators had to listen to this to find a way to translate what they were hearing into animation. Like, do you think they just, they, they sat at home or in the studio and laid back with their eyes closed, took notes on, you know, the, the images that they were seeing in their head? truly truly fascinating and beautiful like how would you put what we're seeing now into words to the music you know music aside describing what we're seeing would be challenging enough I think but again I'm not an animator nor am I a you know musically inclined individual I appreciate music I appreciate music to a very great degree but I could never imagine playing this let alone creating this and I know this was created by Sebastian Bach Sebastian as you know we were informed earlier but yeah the older I get, the more I appreciate the brilliance that exists or existed out there. Truly one-of-a-kind masterminds. Because again, look, look at, what, look at what we're seeing. How do you put this into words? There's a dark background with waves of red and star dancing starlight <laughs> like I don't I don't know it, it's really actually kind of making me feel like kind of a dummy which you know maybe I'm being too hard on myself but Wow. This is something that I would like to see live. You know? They they do those um those concerts where a live orchestra will play the music to a movie that you're watching simultaneously. I would love to see Fantasia in that format. Big screen, live orchestra. That would be some you know, near interdimensional kind of things. Look at the like look. Now those are waves. See I tried to describe earlier you know what we were seeing as waves, but no. Swell swelling waves? Those kind of look like hot dogs. <laughs> I, want, I want to believe those, those were hot dogs. <laughs> and, then, and then we see hot dogs 
giant hot dogs rising from the bottom of the screen. <laughs> the starlit confetti. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do you think that this was ever verbally described? Or did the animators just go ahead and like immediately put to paper, you know, put ink to a page on what they were feeling or seeing in their, in their mind? Rays of light shining down. Bursts of I don't, I don't what would you call this? Yeah. Completely in awe. And you know what? I feel like this is exactly what I would see in my mind if I were just to lay back and listen to this. Something similar. Maybe. Not to say that I, I, I hold the same genius as the animators who created this do. Or did. But it just felt so accurate, so correct what was being shown correlated with what we're hearing wow and this is just the beginning hi you know it's funny how wrong an artist can be about his own work Mm. now the one composition of Tchaikovsky's Tchaikovsky what a name (gasps) which is probably the most popular thing he ever wrote I mean it's a series of dances who doesn't know the Nutcracker ballet called the Nutcracker it yeah. once composed for the St. Petersburg Opera House. It wasn't much of a success, and mm-hmm. nobody performs it nowadays. Nobody? Sure really? Recognize the music of the suite when you hear it. In there was a time where the Nutcracker wasn't regularly nutcracker performed. I mean, definitely during the holiday season. I feel like performances of the Nutcracker are kind of a staple, aren't they? Oh, man. I am in the right mindset for this, I think. To really appreciate it. <laughs> this whole commentary is just going to be me humming along. Ba ba da da. Do de do 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 da da da. So interesting here. They went with, I guess, a nature scape with various fairies instead of the conventional, like the familiar uh, imagery of the Nutcracker. If I remember correctly, we don't see a Nutcracker in Fantasia's rendition of the Nutcracker. 
And how beautiful. You know, even just independently, the animation, even without the music, this is pretty stunning. For 1940, again, 1940. All done by hand. When you put it in perspective like that, I really feel like its genius is, is taken to a whole nother whole nother level. Ba ba be be So like this is this is what he was describing as that second form of music where it's telling a story or was that the first form? I don't remember. I truly do want to know like how many times the animators had to listen to these pieces. This I feel like you could more accurate like more easily put into words. More so than like the <laughs> like just like the the random imagery and colors. I like these guys. I've always liked these little guys. You know that that fairy part was more short lived than I remember. <laughs> like this this came from somebody's mind. And every idea definitely starts with a single person. Of course, there's collaboration and, you know, artists working together to produce the final animation. But someone, some one individual on this team had this idea originally. Droplets in water. I want to listen to more classical music. I don't listen to nearly enough. I always default to like, you know, something punk rocky. But I don't know. I don't know what it is about this moment. I'm really I'm really embracing the the classical uh orchestra the artistry here. Look at that. It's more, even even this, the visuals here detached from the music are just, wow. What are these? Flowers? Flowers that fell onto, uh, onto water? Trying, emulating ballet? 
dancers? I mean, right? That's got to be what the the aim was there. Those bubbles really make me gave me real pink elephant vibes from Dumbo. I I I feel like especially points in these nature scenes you you can you can feel you know what's to come with disney there 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 things feel very bambiish or very dumboish and of course the goldfish there were most definitely cleo from uh pinocchio pinocchio which was the release before this one so that stand that stands to reason I'm sure it's the same animator doing these these fish that that uh, were the brilliant minds behind behind Cleo. They tr- they really captured the very the elegant ballet like movements without using uh, humans to reflect those movements. It's a bummer that goldfish don't actually look this graceful. Are there fish out there that look this graceful? No. I'm sure there's beautiful fish that are reminiscent to what we're seeing, but ooh, the black ones are neat. Oh, kind of like you know, beta fish, I guess, are very flowy with their fins and tails. Not this flowy. This is almost phantom-like. in it, man. I'm getting I'm becoming hypnotized by what we're seeing. Look at just the fluid motion. And all animated by hand. The most old school of animation styles. Well, I guess the oldest of schools would be like the black and white Steamboat Willie days, but Nevertheless, there was no there was no digital assistance here. This is all Oh, here we go. This was all just, you know, manually done. See, I'm I'm getting Alice in Wonderland vibes here. No? 
I'm telling you, all throughout this this film is just samples of what's to come in the the Disney animated feature catalog. We got touches of Bambi, we got touches of Dumbo, like I said, and this most definitely with undeniably very Alice in Wonderland. Woo. Got my heart racing on that one. We're still in the midst of the Nutcracker, huh? And still, not a Nutcracker to be seen. Oh, we're back with the fairies, though. You know, earlier when I said that there there wasn't any, like, <clears throat> I guess humanoidish representation to capture the the true to life elegance of of ballerinas or ballet dancers i i forgot about the fairies this yeah oh is it the, this is a changing of the seasons right It is. Oh, this is cool. I don't think I've ever really um, put that together. So wait, where did we start? Did we start in spring? And then did we go through summer with the dancing flowers? And now we are transitioning into autumn? <laughs> so let's see what we're doing here. Oh, so graceful. Well, this kind of feels like springy again releasing of seeds oh there it is fall again it's it's becoming <laughs> very difficult not not to just get sucked in and lost in, in the visuals and the music the, the, the two together the combination of the two is almost trance inducing <clears throat> see this is this is giving me like I understand Okay, now we're going into winter. Okay, there we go. So we must have started with summer, right? Ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba 
This feels very nutcrackery to me. Because when I when I hear and th- think nutcracker, I immediately think the holiday season. And this is capturing that very well right now. Wouldn't it be rad if snowflakes were really that big? (laughs) Actually, they would probably be kind of dangerous if they were that big. Giant snowflakes, I imagine, would have sharp edges. And you would have to go indoors, otherwise... Like it cut. There we go. Yeah, we had we started with. No, I guess we started with spring. Spring into summer. And now we're going to hear a piece Ooh. of music that tells a very definite story. Okay. As a matter of fact, in this case, the story came first, and the oh. composer wrote the music to go with it. Oh, that's cool. It's a very old story. But yeah. It goes back almost two thousand years. Two thousand years. A legend about a sorcerer who had an apprentice. <gasps> Oh. I had no idea. That story was 2,000 years old. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to well, well. read or listen to the original story. Yeah. He found he'd started something he couldn't finish. I didn't realize this was a a story before Disney's adaptation, which I guess is not surprising because so much, I mean, everything for the most part, I feel like is within the the animated feature catalog. But who knew? I mean, I'm sure there. Quite a few people knew, but I didn't know. I didn't realize that the Sorcerer's Apprentice was 2,000 years old. That's wild. I'm so curious about, like, how how close to the original this, this is. And honestly, this is... Is there anything more iconically Disney? To this day, this is, I'd argue, one of the most magical Disney works. I guess really no, no, that that wouldn't really be a pun, but you know what I mean. (laughs) It's clearly magical. This takes me back to some of my like most early memories of Mickey Mouse. I had a VHS of Mickey Mouse cartoons and they included this segment in that VHS. And I had I didn't realize it was part of a, a larger movie for the longest time. I didn't understand it was part of, you know, Fantasia. Ba-da, 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 
this part. That's that's so fascinating that this is an adaptation of such an ancient story. Because it just feels so Disney. But is that because I was introduced to the story via Disney in Mickey Mouse? And look at that. I mean, most definitely, next to Steamboat Willie, this has to be the most iconic Mickey, uh, I guess, I guess, short. You can, you can quantify this as a Mickey Mouse short, right? I mean, they included it in the VHS I was mentioning as a Mickey Mouse short. <laughs> it does make me sleepy watching Mickey Mouse get sleepy. Every time, here. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was not. That was that was an involuntary yawn. Every time, every time I see that Mickey falling asleep, it makes me tired. Oh, I love this so much. Yeah, Sorcerer Mickey. I mean, come on. I had a uh, frame poster in my room growing up of this scene. So this this touches me in my soul, like you know, nothing else. I really should get a sorcerer Mickey tattoo. I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me because <laughs> I I know what this means to me. How long was he asleep for it to flood that drastically? Via, via the work of one broom, you know what I mean? Like that water is what? Waist deep? He had to be out for hours and hours. <laughs> the broom running is fun. Oh, look here. It turns into a horror movie. Very Hitchcocky. 
This is kind of terrifying when you think about it. Mickey goes mad, kills the broom with an axe. The pieces come to life as new individual brooms. <laughs> Just stunning animation too. And comical too. It's funny. Dramatic, funny, arguably action-packed. Suspenseful. It has it all. This is this may be the perfect You know, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's perfect. Maybe that's all I need. <laughs> like, how much water do these buckets hold? How many brooms are there now? I gotta remember doing a commentary. I can't. I can't just. I just. I can't. I can't become trapped in. Ah! It's almost like he's done that before. You know, he knew exactly how to handle the situation. Ooh. The beard with no mustache look is always always so interesting to me. Like what a what a what a choice to make. Bop 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 bop. That's how it ends. Bop 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 bop. Look at that. He's not truly mad. Oh, that was fun. He's out of breath. Oh, yeah, other way. What were you looking You look at the complete wrong way. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, how cool was that for 1940? When Igor Stravinsky wrote his ballet, The uh -huh. Night of Spring. Huh? Oh, hey, 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 what's going on? What's wrong with you? Get it together. <laughs> and what a fun, like, little gag right there. 
<laughs> I wonder, I wonder, again, whose idea was that? Oh, I love this one. I always forget about this next part. Yeah. And that story, as you're going to see it, isn't the product of anybody's imagination. No. It's a coldly accurate reproduction of what science thinks. Coldly accurate reproduction. Billion years of this planet's existence. Science, not art, wrote the scenario of this picture. I, growing up, science, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. Just as obsessed with dinosaurs as I was obsessed with Disney. Green blobs of nothing in particular that lived under the water. Mm-hmm. Amoebas. The oceans began to swarm with all kinds of marine creatures. Finally, after about a billion years, certain fish more ambitious than the rest crawled up on land and became the first amphibians. And then, several hundred million years ago, nature went off on another tack. Yeah. The dinosaurs. Now, the name dinosaur comes from two Greek words meaning terrible lizard. And they certainly were all of that. <laughs> they came in all shapes and sizes, from little crawling horrors about the size of a chicken to <laughs> hundred-ton nightmares. They were not very bright. Even the biggest of them had only the brain of a pigeon. They lived in the air and the water. The size of a pigeon, on land. or rule, the vegetarians. same size brain as a pigeon. Amiable and easy to get along with. However, there were bullies and gangsters among them. Bullies and gangsters in the dinosaur world. Tyrannosaurus Rex was probably the meanest killer that ever roamed the earth. Oh, and he was a brute. The dinosaurs were lords of creation for about 200 million years. And then, while we don't exactly know what happened, some scientists think asteroid. Great droughts and earthquakes turned the whole world into a gigantic dust bowl. Yeah. In any case, caused by a giant meteor. They were. That is where our story ends. Or were they? Where it begins is at a time infinitely far back when there was no life at all on Earth. Nothing but clouds of steam, boiling seas, and exploding volcanoes. It's pretty fascinating to hear a 1940s... So now, uh, out in space, billions, understanding of dinosaurs. Because where we are now, there's... So much more speculative understanding of what what dinosaurs were and what, what the world was like back then. Which, honestly, it is all just speculation. There's really no true way of knowing for sure. There, there have been fossils uncovered. Like, one very, very uh, famous fossil, the most intact fossil of a dinosaur and I mean it's, it's what you would imagine a dinosaur would be like it still has has skin imprints and impressions it, it has the b beyond the shape of just the skull it has the shape of the head and very defined features for something that's theoretically hundreds of millions of years old and again, it is it is all just a theory. I mean, carbon dating is, from what I'm told, very accurate. As accurate as we can be, you know, give or take a few hundred thousand years, I think. 
wow, man. It's so fascinating to think that this uh, earth without humans, earth without people, just creatures that no longer exist. Or, or ex- still exist, but in a somewhat different, you know, to a different degree. Like sharks. Sharks go back all the way to, you know, the age of the dinosaurs. Theoretically, fairly unchanged. Just a bit smaller. In some different shapes, but like they... They're, they're, you know, sharks today, from what we, we theorize and believe through fossils found, looked just like sharks back then. Crocodiles and alligators, crocodilians, those are relatively similar to, you know, how they looked back then. It's wild, wild, wild. Part of me believes that dinosaurs, some dinosaurs did live significantly longer beyond the their proposed extinction point. Like the Loch Ness Monster. The Loch Ness Monster, uh, from descriptions, looks like a plesiosaur. I, I believe that's what it's called. And aqua- like if sharks could have survived the asteroid impact why not other aquatic uh, creatures of the time of the age maybe not necessarily alive today but for a significant time after the fact slightly uh, evolved versions smaller maybe Anyway, this is this is a commentary about Fantasia, not not dinosaurs, <laughs> but, but it's the dinosaur part. So I mean, why not why not get in, get into it a little bit? You know what I love at um at Disneyland when you ride the train, you go through that like the prehistoric little dinosaur scene. That's what this reminds me of. Which, honestly, given when Disneyland opened and when this movie was released, I'm wondering if they based that prehistoric scene on the Disneyland Railroad uh, off of this. I mean, that that would stand to reason, right? If you want to make a dinosaur scene... Why not base it off of content previously produced by by Disney? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Man, the train the train at Disneyland is so under underappreciated, I feel like. 
I feel like diehard Disney fans love it, but your average just occasional park goer, I feel like people don't talk about appreciating the train enough. Lava. What a cool... That was, that was really very cool imagery of lava. Lava. Ba, 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 ba. Da, da, ba, da, 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 da. How cool. And then 1940, right? Let's go back. Let's go back to 1940. They had to have gone somewhere, like to Hawaii or something, to 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 get like a first-hand account of what lava looks like, right? Because how much? How much footage existed of lava? It's like they didn't—they didn't just have the internet to pull up videos of lava. You know, you, you would have to go and see it for yourself. I bet they did. Ooh. This is. They are. They really are visually capturing the uh, the music here. Very, very accurate. Making me anxious. The, the, the hyper suspenseful sounds of. And now here we are. The peaceful. Establishment of life. Like the research that had to have gone into this, because I don't think your basic animator held such a distinct understanding of what microscopic life looked like, just off the top of their head. And the, the, the amount of studying, like, fossils and... Man, there's... I never really, I never really pieced together just how much of a scientific component uh, went into Fantasia. Like, they, they had to have worked pretty close with archaeologists and paleontologists and... You know... 
And what cool transitions. The smoke. The, the billowing clouds of... I don't know, what would you call that? I guess smoke, yeah. Man, I love this. As a diehard Disney and Dino fan, like this... This was made for me. <laughs> Decades before I was born. I mean, this came out like, what, 40-something years before I was born. 1940, I was born in 86, so what is that, 46 years before I was born? That doesn't sound like a, that long of... I mean, I guess that is a long time, but... There you go, Plesiosaurus. Look, Loch Ness Monster. Tell me those couldn't have survived a little longer beyond the asteroidal impact. If they were underwater, I don't I don't see how that's so far-fetched. Sharks made it. Crocodilians made it. Those are those are aquatic based animals. Especially the crocodilians. Those are land and amphib and amphibian. Right? No. Is that right? Are alligators and crocodiles considered amphibia amphibians? feel like I forget this part of Fantasia because I'm so I'm so like mentally preoccupied with Sorcerer Mickey and then later with the uh, alligators and the hippos and the ostrich and the little mushroom little mushroom guys which were a very short segment much shorter than I remember I, I thought they they held they took up more time but I guess not Yeah, look at this. And I mean, I feel like a lot of what is animated here, like the animators for sure had to have worked alongside, like I said, archaeologists and paleontologists, like scientists, to... to create you know, fairly accurate depictions. Like, I don't... None of, none of these feel made up. Like, all of these dinosaurs feel like they are based on actual fossils found. That's also very fascinating to think that there was this much of an understanding of dinosaurs in the 40s 
because really the first the first dinosaur fossils found, I I feel like we're in the eighteen hundreds, which I suppose is quite a bit of time, but Stegosaurus. But see, here's here's some of the uh, inaccuracies. Because some of these dinosaurs did not live simultaneously. Like, from what I understand, and I, I could just be misregurgitating this, but I feel like I heard that T-Rex within the timeline of existence is closer to us today than uh, it was to when Stegosauruses roamed the earth if that makes any sense like the amount of time between the existence of Stegosaurus to T-Rex is Longer than the existence of T-Rex to humans today. Right? That could be completely wrong, but at the same time, I feel like there's some sort of accuracy there. Ah! Look at those arms. T-Rex arms. We know now. We're nowhere near that pronounced. Like, T-Rex actually looks like he used those arms. But from our understanding of how Tyrannosaurus was built today, the arms were, I don't know, seemingly kind of useless. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong here, too. But I feel like this battle exists in the scene on the train ride at Disneyland, no? There's definitely a T-Rex, I feel like, fighting something. I don't know if it's a Stegosaurus or a Brontosaurus, but there's some sort of dino clash of the dinos that we, we see on that ride. Oh! Like, the force of the T-Rex bite I feel like should have taken the Stegosaurus out pretty you know on the, on the first bite on the first chomp but you know what they didn't exist simultaneously so who knows who truly knows oh so sad oh You know, there is quite a bit of dinosaur content within within Disney. More more than more than I think people realize. I mean, the movie Dinosaur. That's one, that's one I always I always forget about. 
And then there was a Pixar one, The Good Dinosaur. And then here in Fantasia. So this was this was the the understanding of the uh, how they went extinct, just droughts and earthquakes and such. I wonder when the theory of the asteroidal impact uh, came to be. Or is this... No, because they didn't mention... They didn't mention anything about an asteroid hitting Earth. They were just like, yeah, droughts and earthquakes. And I guess there was some sort of... Back then, they were just like, yeah, it just sort of happened. Not really thinking of what triggered it. That's that. You know, it's kind of anticlimactic without the, the giant asteroid hitting the Earth. I suppose the music is just, just kind of like fades out. There's no there's no big crescendo, is that the right word? Just a subtle teetering out. But then I wonder what the theory is of, you know, what what alleviated the droughts and such. Ooh, an eclipse. Come on, stop getting sucked into this, Justin. Focus. <laughs> and then they all turn to rocks. So the earthquakes are coming after they're already dead. And this is how the bones were buried. Wow. Such violence. That's why all the fossils are buried. <laughs> Again, so 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 the theory is that this just just randomly happened, huh? Back then, at least before 
I really want to look that up. I really want to see when when the first suggestions of asteroid impact came to be. This is once the dinosaurs are gone, it's it's less exciting to me. And back to the eclipse again. Wow. How fun. I wonder I wonder that that had to be pretty exciting to animate I wonder also I mean Disney Walt Disney had to have some sort of fascination with dinosaurs right to include it in the park to include it in Fantasia he must have been a dino fan I mean who isn't how could one not be a fan of dinosaurs just doesn't make sense to me. And now we'll have a 15-minute intermission. Oh. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess if you guys got to use the restroom or something, go ahead. Got a 15-minute intermission. Do you think they actually took a 15-minute intermission in the theater when this was in theaters? I mean, they must have, right? And is it truly 15 minutes? <laughs> I, I don't I totally forgot about this. I mean visually this is this is beautiful to look at, but it's like we're just we're just watching people walk off stage. What a, what an amazing use of film. <laughs> and the curtain closes. Oh, geez. It really is a 15-minute intermission. Look at that. Wow. Oh, wait. Is it? Oh, here we are back. Okay. I, I For a minute there, I was like, are we really just going to just cut for 15 minutes and just... But no. No. Um, let's see. Oh, here's a little fun tidbit. Disney settled on the film's concept in 1938 as work neared completion on The Sorcerer's Apprentice... Originally, an elaborate silly symphony cartoon designed as a comeback role for Mickey Mouse, who had declined in popularity. Well, that's that's that is very fascinating. I didn't realize that. I mean, I feel like that's something I had known previously, looking into looking into Fantasia, but Fantasia was Mickey Mouse's, you know. 1968 comeback special like Elvis pretty pretty rad the budget for Fantasia was 
$2.28 million. That's so crazy. And box office pulled in 76.4 to 83.3 million. That's odd that it's like a, you know, it's, it's in between, in between those two numbers. Those are definitely cellos. The harp. The harp is an instrument, too, that is just so fascinating to me. To be able to play the harp. They're so big. Before we get into the second half of the program, I'd like to introduce... Oh, is the second half? Oh, who? Uh, somebody who is very important to Fantasia. Oh. He's very shy and very retiring. Retiring? I happened to run across him one day at the Disney Studios. Huh. But when I did, I suddenly realized that here was not only an indispensable member of the organization, but a screen personality. Mickey? Possibilities nobody around the place had ever noticed. And so, Who? I'm very happy to have this opportunity to introduce to you the soundtrack. The soundtrack? All right, come on. <laughs> that's all right. Oh, that's Don't pretty funny. Timid. Don't be timid. soundtrack. <laughs> now watching him, I discovered that every beautiful sound also creates an equally beautiful picture. Hmm. Now look. Will the soundtrack kindly produce a sound? Go on. Don't be nervous. Go ahead. <laughs> this, is, this is fun. Whoa! <laughs> well, that isn't quite what I had in mind. Well, be more specific then. Uh, suppose we hear and see the harp. Oh, look at that. See the harp. Just talking about the harp. Beautiful. I wonder how one decides. I want to play the harp. Uh, now one of the strings. You think there's a lot of harp players on the world? The violin. That's cool. Again, right here. All animated by hand. Look at this. Each line, each frequency line is it was meticulously produced by hand. Look at that is amazing when you when you consider that. The fluctuation of it all. now let's have a How does how do how do they how do they do that? How do they hear these sounds and so perfectly bring it to life through you know through a hand onto right. a page now, uh, how about a low instrument the bassoon bassoon like look at this think about that when watching this somebody drew this go on go on drop the other shoe will you and just and and it you know drew the animation to it like it's it's so many frames well, to, finish, to create what we're seeing all done by hand beginning with the bass drum in today's day and age with digital assistance you, know, you can create this digitally and it's it'd be you know far 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 easier but the time it had to have taken It's just, it blows me away. It truly, truly does. 
Thanks a lot, old man. <laughs> Thanks a lot, old man. <laughs> How fun. The symphony that Beethoven called the pastoral pastoral is one of the few pieces of music he ever wrote that tells something like a definite story. Oh. He's a great nature lover. And in this symphony, he paints a musical picture of a day in the country. Okay. Now, of course, the country that Beethoven described was the countryside with which he was familiar. Makes sense. But his music covers a much wider field than that. And so mm. Walt Disney has given the pastoral symphony a pastoral setting. Oh, that's and fun. The setting is of Mount Olympus, <gasps> the boat of the gods. And here, first of Exciting. all, we meet a group of fabulous creatures of the field and forest. Unicorns, fawns. Pegasus, the flying horse, and his entire family. The centaurs, those strange creatures that are half man and half horse. And their girlfriends, the centaurettes. Oh. Centaurettes. That'd be a cool band name. Bacchus, the god of wine, presiding over centaurettes. A the party is interrupted by a storm, and now we see Vulcan forging thunderbolts and oh. handing them over to the king of all the gods, Zeus, who plays darts with them. You know, as the storm clears, we see Iris, the and, and there was and Apollo driving his son chariot across the sky. no no expectation or you know no preconceived notion at the time that Zeus would become a Disney character later on in Hercules. Shoots an arrow of fire that spangles the sky with stars. Spangles. Let's get spangly. That is very like the the fade in to that to that scene was was masterful masterful or masterfully masterful masterfully I can't say that word but you know what I mean it was it was masterfully done look at how happy they are what fun. <laughs> I I uh Oh there we go there's Pegasus You know I wonder how how that happens How do some horses develop the wings and the ability to fly and others grow a spike out of their head. I want to know the evolutionary line there. And which would you rather be? Would you rather be a unicorn or would you rather be a pegasus? I can, I can see a solid argument for both. I mean, pegasus, you get to fly. And now, and now I have another question. Are... Pegasus born like all mammals are via live birth or are they hatched from eggs? Because 
we just saw that they build birds' nests, or I guess Pegasus' nests, that emulate birds' nests. How graceful. I think I'd rather be a Pegasus. Unless unicorns have some sort of ability that I'm, I'm just unaware of. You know, beyond, beyond the spike in their head. And you know, I've never really... I never really thought of the correlation between this in Fantasia and ultimately what we got in in uh, Hercules later on. I wonder when they were producing Hercules if they went back and referenced anything from this this uh, segment of Fantasia. I mean, it, it would make sense if they did, right? So the Pegasus are just really like a major focal point here. We hardly got uh, unicorns. Hardly got any play. Which I mean, I can't really say I'm surprised. Flying horses do seem far more interesting than you know a horse with a spike coming out of its head. Stunning. What were the what were the lady centaurs centaurs called? The the centaurs, centauris, centaurs, centaurias, santarias. There they are. Speak of the devil. What a, what a fun reveal here. Because you think, you think they might be normal, normal ladies. Or mermaids. You know? But, surprise, they're horse ladies. Not wearing tops either. What? How risque. Wow. I didn't... I didn't remember there was subtle nudity in Fantasia. Right? Well, that one has a top on, kinda. Little cupids. <laughs> Quite a bit of nudity happening in this segment of Fantasia. Are you are you seeing any any future character design here and how these these folks look? Mm. 
kind of got Peter Pan vibes. A little bit, no? Seem like they're designed... A little bit of Cinderella in there, no? More Ariel than this one. <laughs> who told... Who thinks that's a good look? <laughs> these, these little cupids have terrible senses of style. Oh, that guy's blue. Oh, and she's green. Okay. I didn't realize their... Their coloration was... You know, ran the gamut. See, the 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 way these ones are styled feels so much more reasonable than having two doves on your head with one of them <laughs> having a raised wing. <laughs> or whatever that other cone thing was with the flowers. Man. What a fascinating concoction of a creature and you know what speaking of mermaids this is this is so they're essentially just land mermaids right because a mermaid has the top half of a human and the bottom half of a fish if you were to translate that to a creature on land of course it would be the top half of a human and the bottom half of something with four legs, I'd imagine. I guess it could be two legs, like a bird of some kind, but so many more land animals walk on four legs that it stands to reason that's what would be used. But I wonder why a horse and not like a tiger or something. That'd be kind of weird looking. Not that a half human, half horse is not weird looking, but for some reason it feels less weird looking than a half human, half like elephant. Oh, he's blue. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of punny because he is blue, but he is also sad. Oh, she is too. Why is it both the blue? Centaurin, Centauria. Centauria? I already forget what, what the, the lady centaurs were called. Centares? Oh, she's lovely. She she has a, a reasonable look to her. It's normal, normal pigtails. Oh. 
Don't get too excited. Sure, he's handsome, but... <laughs> what, if, what if he's got a weird voice? I've been calling them cupids, but really they're more just cherubs, huh? Is that the, is that the proper term? Is that the proper name for them? Good job, guys. Good job, everybody. <laughs> we, we, brought, we brought the two blue horse freaks together. Oh, was that insensitive? Where did that curtain come from? And that one, too. Oh, don't peek. Oh, creep. <laughs> And who is this? They're preparing a offering to the god of whatever it was. Wine. I mean, hot take, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But this is, this is far less exciting as, say, Sorcerer's Apprentice or uh, the dinosaur segment. Like, I just, I feel kind of, I don't know. It's definitely not, not as exciting as as some of the other segments were is a donkey unicorn still just called a unicorn because really donkeys and horses are are two very different not very different but they're they're clearly different creatures and when you combine the two you get a mule now, 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 here's, here's another odd, odd little question that's coming to mind. Can a unicorn and a pegasus crossbreed? And then to further make things odd, can a pegasus or a unicorn crossbreed with a centaur? I mean, why not? A, ho a, a donkey and a horse can crossbreed. Sure, they make a sterile creature called a mule. So would a centaur and a unicorn also make a sterile creature called a... I don't know. And what would it look like? Would it still have a human top half and a horsey bottom half? Or would it be more horse than man? And not have any human-like features, or would it have like the bot, like the torso of of a human, but the head of a horse, and and then the legs of a horse? <laughs> I 
but arms and abs and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-oh. Things are getting sketchy. Very Zeus-like. They had to have pulled inspiration from Fantasia when they made Zeus and Hercules. Because look. So, such a similar design. Yeah, and it would, it would only make sense if they did go back to this portion of Fantasia during the production of Hercules. Like, that's... Why wouldn't they? I mean, sure that Zeus and Hercules isn't blue, but I feel like the facial kind of vibe is there. He's just, he's just hucking lightning bolts down for fun. Look at everybody panic. I mean, I get it. That's, this is kind of a terrifying turn of events. But why is he doing it? Just because he's kind of a jerk? This, doesn't, this also doesn't seem like the first time this has happened. Nobody seems surprised. Everyone's just like, oh, he's at it again. Woke up on the wrong side of the cloud this morning. I was <laughs> just throwing lightning bolts willy-nilly at everything. <laughs> I bet this guy wishes he was more than just the god of wine at this point. Wine isn't going to protect you from lightning, bro. Can't drink, can't drink this one away. Oh boy. Not the time. Not the time. Nah, I'm done. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> well, what do I do with this lightning bolt then? Oh, he's... <laughs> I like how he just flicked one off. He just kicked one over. <sighs> Man, Zeus is kind of a punk, dude. Like, he just felt like raining down lightning bolts for no reason. Then got tired and went to bed. Jeez. Not my favorite segment. I mean, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. It's well done, well executed. Um, but compared to the rest, like the music too. The music and the visuals were... I don't know, they just kind of feel extra. And I don't mean extra as in over the top. I just mean like... Eh, could could take it or leave it. Up to this point in Fantasia, I feel like every segment was 
you know, powerful in a way, like held its own. Uh, this one is well done and it's fun, but if it wasn't in the film, I don't feel like it would be missed. Am I wrong? I don't know. How do you feel about it? Maybe this is your favorite segment. But, you know, for me, it's take it or leave it. Hey, that rainbow's upside down, right? Red, red, it's supposed to be inverted, isn't it? Red's supposed to be at the top and then purple's supposed to be at the bottom. I still want to know if you can crossbreed a unicorn and a pegasus. And then I still really want to know if you can crossbreed a pegasus or a unicorn with a centaur. Ooh, a centaur crossbred with a unicorn? It looks like a centaur horse body, human torso and head, but then it has like a spike popping out of its forehead. I think that's the winner. But when, what about all three? What if, what if a unicorn and a pegasus got together and had babies that were horses with wings and a spike coming out of its head? And then that baby crossbred with a centaur. So then you have a horse body, human torso and head with wings and... And a horn coming out of the forehead. That that may be the the most optimal mythological creature ever concocted. What would it be called? Centaur, Pegasus, Unicorn, a Unicentaurus. Pegasus, Centaur, Centaur, Centaurus, Centaurusus, a Unicentaurusus. <laughs> That's it, Unicentaurusus. Trademark, Leo Legacy, Unicentaurusus. <laughs> makes me, that makes me giggle. Who's this? Madam Knight? Now I really want to see what a Unicentaurus looks like. Somebody draw one. Send it to me. Maybe I can get AI to develop one. That'd be cool. The Unicentaurus. Thwip. Yeah, again, this segment could take it or leave it. But, but, I, I, I hold a newfound appreciation for this segment because without it, I would never have come up with the idea of a unicentaurus.
It's a pretty glass half full idea, right? Now we are going to do one of the most famous and popular ballets. <gasps> yeah. Dance of the hours from Punkielli's opera La Gioconda. Punkielli. Pageant of the hours of the day. We see first a group of dancers in costumes to suggest the delicate light of dawn. Okay. Then a second group enters, dressed to represent the brilliant light of noonday. Oh. As these withdraw, a third group enters in costumes that suggest the delicate tones of early evening. Oh and wow. Last group, all in black, the somber hours of the night. So we have morning, midday, early evening, finale, and then night. In which the hours of darkness are overcome by the hours of light. Oh, wow. All this takes place in the great hall with its garden beyond of the palace of Duke Albisa, a Venetian nobleman. Duke Albisa. So many curtains. Oh, here we go. This this is iconically Fantasia right here. So the ostrich is mourning. <laughs> if you happen to go to Epcot during the Flower and Garden Festival, at least the times I have been, they have topiaries of this scene from Fantasia. They have the ostrich, they got the hippo and the alligators. Alright, so let's keep track. So the ostriches ostriches? Ostrich. Ostriches. That's the correct plural for ostrich, right? This is morning. Good morning. What a fascinating like take too. Like you take the concept of the music having segments of that represent morning, noon, morning, midday. Is that what he called it? Morning, midday, early evening, and night. <laughs> but it's like, but let's make them ostriches. In ballet slippers and bows. Bing, bing, bump, bump. What a cool, what a cool, uh, cool shot. I mean, I know it's not a shot, but but still, that was a fun, that was a fun little frame. A cornucopia. It's always, always been one of my favorite words to say. Cornucopia. Not just for Thanksgiving, cornucopias. Bump, 
Okay. Are we are we to midday yet? Do it do it. Scott a bit up. Is it midday? Or is it still the morning because they're ostriches? Okay, so is it the hippo? The hippos are midday? Oh, jeez. You are indecent to put something on. Where's your tutu? Scoot a boot it. Deed a bat up. Bodie doty. Beat it boot it. I like how they have one that stands out from the crowd. Like all the ostriches were in blue, but then they had one in pink. All the hippos are in pink, but they have one in yellow. Stada bada, bula doo dee doo bada bada dee dee doo bada. Wow, what a mouth. Ba-da-ba-da Do-la-do-do Mana-mana Alright, now we're early evening. Oh, I forgot about the elephants. I kind of felt like the hippos were yeah see very dumbo-y look at that I see I definitely see a dumbo design to these elephants here and then with the bubbles again You definitely can tell the same animators worked on worked on this through through the the various um, films that follow. Bubbles immediately makes me think of P. 
pink elephants. From Dumbo. In case you didn't already know. Oh wow, those are some pretty strong bubbles to be able to elevate a hippo. Now the night comes. Are they getting blown away? What are they getting blown away by? Wow, that was a mighty wind. How graceful for such a gigantic animal. Both the hippo and the, the elephants. Here we are. Masters of the night. Now, are these crocodiles or alligators? If I had to guess, I'd say alligators. We should be able to tell from the snout. Alligators. Alligators have more of a pointed snout, while I believe crocodiles have more of a rounded snout. And that could be completely made up. <laughs> I could, I could, I've definitely not uh, remembered that <laughs> accurately. But yeah, I'd say alligators. They they got more of an alligator quality to them. They're th more slender, smaller. They don't they don't look like TikTok Croc entirely or almost at all, honestly. <laughs> so what makes him he's a master of the night what makes him the alpha alpha gator <gasps> oh what were the hippos again midday So I suppose for comic relief, they, they you go you go with the hippo, because if this same scene was happening with an alligator and the ostrich, it it would not have nearly the same impact. Scoot a doot it, sput a butt up, doodle doodle it, biddle biddle it. It's no longer that part of the song, but. Or composition. It's not, not it's not really a song. I believe a song implies lyrics, no? Oh, how coy. Whoa! Um, I wish I'd been paying attention to the uh, the music more to really see if I got the vibe of of the transitioning through the day. But it's so hard not to get distracted by the comic 
um, the comedic presentation of, of of all of this. Everybody fears the night. Wow, they're going for the elephants now. I told and the ostrich. Wow, I I completely forgot about that. I really just naturally presumed that they they just went after the hippos and that was it. Oh, they're riding the ostrich. Whoa. Immediately made me think of Dumbo. These elephants are clearly Dumbo precursors. <laughs> That's some serious skill right there. Bravo. Bravo. Are we setting into the, the uh, last, the last yeah. Is a combination of two pieces of music so utterly different in construction and mood uh -huh. that they set each other off perfectly. Oh. The first is A Night on Bald Mountain by one of Russia's greatest composers, Bald Mountain. Best Mussorgsky. Best Mussorgsky. Schubert's world famous Ave Maria. Ave Maria. I didn't mean to sing over him. I'm so sorry. Whoa. Metal. Yeah. Dang. So metal. The abode of darkness. I love the Ave Maria. It's one. It's one that that beckons back to my youth, going to Catholic school. Ave Maria. I truly could listen to that, like, at any given moment. Man, this is this. This is. Such an exciting segment. Ah, the most epic Disney villain. Rise. Ghouls and goblins. Ghosts and demons. How spooky. Look at that. I love that they're skeletons and, and ghosts at the same time. Seemingly. Banshees. They're very banshee-esque, right? What's the difference between a banshee and a ghost? 
Anything? Banshees scream. They're known for screaming. Wailing. That's the word I wanted. Wailing. Look how fluid they are. It's almost like they're not animated on the same layer. But I don't I don't think that technology existed until later on in uh, in animation. The progression of animation. And then who whose idea was this? Well, it wasn't the animators' ideas, right? This this was this this story is incorporated into the composition itself, right? Look at him! Wow, that's that's a villain who doesn't get enough play. You know what I mean? They have, I believe, they have him included in Fantasmic, right? Oh my crazy! Look at this. Horrifying. And then he eats them. <laughs> oh, he's got to cook them first. <laughs> oh, just so fascinating. There you go. See? Nice and toasty. Cool it off. Ooh, little fire dancy ladies. Every time I watch Fantasia, I I encounter something new that I didn't recall from before. And the subtle details of this scene are a perfect example to that. Like, this this whole hand-dancing portion, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I remember the, the skele ghosts coming out of the graves. I remember that much. But the... The... The demons dancing in his hand, specifically, uh, feels like it's new to me. And I know it's not, because you know, I've seen this a number of times, but it'll never not be fun. So they they talked about these ghouls and demons coming up to impress Satan or something, but that guy's name is Shinerbug. Him right there, Shinerbug. So 
I don't really, I don't really understand. Is Shinerbog trying to in, impress Satan? I don't know. Dare I say Shinerbog is my favorite Disney villain? And one of one of the original OG Disney villains too, because this is the third animated feature film. So so he 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 comes from the way back when. Oh, the bells! Here we go. Here we go. The the composition that touches my heart the most. The Ave Maria. I'm a big fan of the Skella Ghosts, though. They're so just... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. So eerie. So so spooky. That they they embody the 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 word spooky. There we go. Every May, May crowning. Shinerbug Sleepy. Is it Shinerbug or Chinerbug? I think it's Shinerbug. I don't I don't think that there is a piece of music that brings me more peace. Shinerbug is actually his name. I kept calling him Shinerbog. Shernabog. C-H-E-R-N-A-B-O-G. Shernabog. Desires only to amuse and appease himself and will commit any atrocity needed to do so. He is commonly depicted as a ruthless and manipulative monster who is feared by all who encounter him. He is one of the most powerful and destructive villains that Walt Disney has ever created for that reason. Shernabog. Anyway, enough about Shernabog. It's almost a crime to speak over this next part. Yeah, like I was saying, nothing, nothing brings me more peace. In my soul... The Ave Maria. And I keep hyping it up. I keep talking it up. But truly, truly, this takes me back. This takes me back to Sacred Heart Academy. Going to Mass with our whole school. Everybody, all of us, in unison, singing. Maria, 
you cannot hear this and not just be brought to absolute peace. Which is a perfect contrast to the scene we had just witnessed. And the only thing to force Chernabog to withdraw is the Ave Maria. I know, I know I'm doing a commentary, but like I said, it's almost a sin to speak over this. tear to my eye. I wish the uh, vocals were more pronounced. That would be my only my only note. There we go. Right? Maybe it's specifically growing up Catholic. That's why this this touches me in the way that it does. I almost feel like that this is uh, another one that you hear around Christmas time too, but definitely during during May crowning. And I, I rarely ever recall that it's in Fantasia. Fantasia truly is one of those Disney films that has hidden treasures laced within that you can rediscover every time you watch it. And the older I get, the easier it is to watch. Because as a kid, as a kid, Fantasia is is a little much to get down. You know, there's no, not a whole lot of like comedic elements to it. Visually, just you know, cartoons are usually just cartoons when you're a kid, but. When you're older and you you can really grasp and appreciate the artistic value behind it, it 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 definitely it definitely hits you on a different level. And there we are. Wow. So what do you really say? What does one really say? 
and they don't even they don't even throw it back to the 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 host you know there's nothing more to say you go out on the ave maria and and that's it that's all you need i do love fantasia and like i said every time i watch it i love it i love it a little bit more so good times good times had by all i hope you had a good time i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and if you didn't watch it again watch it again and i promise you you will enjoy it a little bit more and keep watching it until you love it <laughs> you know what else you should do you should listen to our podcast the skeleton crew fight club available across all your favorite podcast platforms and at leallegacy.com. While you're at leallegacy.com, if you feel so inclined, and I hope you do, because it's what keeps us doing what we do, check out our shop. Visit the Skeleton Crew Fight Club store and pick yourself up something nice. We've got a Disnerd collection. That's one of our legacy collections that'll always be there. Other, other collections and designs and lines will come and go, but Disnerd will always be there to satisfy the Disney fan within you. Um, huge, I'm a huge Disney fanboy. My whole, my whole family, we're all, we're all diehard Disney fans. So our, our love and dedication to all things Disney will, is eternal. So I'll always be coming up with, um, you know, tributes, tributes to, uh, my favorite Disney elements, and you can find that again at Skeleton Crew. Wait, no, Ske yeah, SkeletonCrewFightClub.com, or go to LeoLegacy.com and and click on the uh, our shop tab. Uh, what else? What else? Next up will be the number four, the fourth animated feature in the Disney animated feature catalog <laughs> I can't, I can't. see when i when we come to the end of a commentary i kind of start i start teetering off but i believe bambi is next so keep a lookout for that it might be up already depending on when you decide to watch this and speaking of what's up already if you haven't already go scope out the other two the prior the previous two commentaries for snow white and the seven dwarfs and pinocchio also at LeoLegacy.com. You can find Leo Legacy across all your favorite social media platforms at Leo Legacy. That is L E A L Legacy. And as always, thanks for being a friend and telling a friend. Until next time, see ya. Thank you.